21 minutes it is uh, before the uh, top of the hour and uh, we now go in uh, under the microscope and today we're taking a look at uh, issues of uh, corporate governance in the past few years South Africa has certainly been rocked by many corporate scandals and uh, the exposure of uh, high levels of uh, uh, weak corporate governance protocols in many of the uh, listed companies and even I guess I would venture to say in some of the unlisted companies as well and the big question we're asking ourselves under the microscope on this tuesday evening is how bad are some of these issues and uh, can they still be fixed and uh, i'm joined by uh, uh, two ladies here the co-founders of uh, tumbo scott a group of attorneys uh, based in uh, Santon and uh, joined by Deborah Mutemwa Tumbo, uh, who joins us all the way from uh, Nairobi and uh, also joined here in studio uh, here in the Auckland Park by uh, Dr. Tsepiso Scott. And uh, let me start here with uh, you, Dr. Tsepiso. Uh, good uh, evening to you and welcome to Metro FM Talk. Good evening, Ayobonga. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Deborah, are you with us there all the way from uh, Nairobi Jumbo? I certainly am. Thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome. On the show. Awesome. Let's maybe start off here, ladies, and uh, talk just briefly about uh, your firm and the work that you do. And we'll then come back, uh, I guess, to uh, issues of corporate governance and, uh, more importantly, uh, some of the work that you're undertaking there. You also have a workshop coming up, I understand, uh, uh, over the next few days or so, taking a look at uh, uh, the issues around, uh, you know, the king codes uh, around corporate governance and, more importantly, outlining some of the roles of uh, people serving on boards and uh, even on some of the management teams. But first, Tumbo Scott, uh, what is that? When did it start? Dr. Tsepis, I'll start off with you and I'll get some views from Deborah as well. Sure. So Tumbo Scott mm. is a corporate and commercial law firm. We're based in Santon and we started off in 2017 um, where we saw that there was an actual gap in the market for quality legal service providers for small and medium-sized enterprises. So we were established with a specifically that purpose in mind, um, bringing together our expertise that we've gained from both the private and the public sector. Both Deborah and I have worked in um, the top commercial law firms as well as in the Const- at the Constitutional Court of South Africa. Okay. So we thought it would be great to put together that skill as well as our qualifications and make those, those um, legal services um, accessible to small enterprises and medium-sized enterprises. Mm as well. Okay. Deborah? Yeah, I think in a nutshell, that's essentially it. Um, You know, the driving passion is also that we are a part of something greater than ourselves, being part of the transformation of the South African economy and understanding in particular the important role that small and medium-sized enterprises play in the growth of an economy. Mm. So we've been running for over two years now. It's been an incredible journey, and we haven't only served small, small businesses. It's been an incredible journey in that we've also managed to secure international clients as well as listed entities under our client base. So to date, we've accumulated over 85 clients, wow. and um, we just look forward to going further and further. Mm. Dr. Tsepiso, I want us maybe to talk just briefly now. Um you know, about uh, what you make of the landscape here, especially when it comes to issues of corporate governance. I remember mm. about two years ago, uh, I think it was uh, one of the guys, Kurs Becker, uh, mm. coming out and saying, look, it's all good and well. I mean, governance and ethics, yeah, sharp, those things are good. Yeah. But what matters at the end of the day is if you're able to grow top line, uh, which is your earnings, and also be able to grow your profitability. That's what the market judges you on. And whether or not you do that in ways where, 
I guess you've had to sort of beg, borrow and steal. Mm. Uh, it doesn't really matter because the market uh, punishes you or even uh, congratulates and incentivizes you on the basis of your financial support and uh, and not how good your conduct is. Do you get a sense that there's still a lot of that kind of sentiment in the public uh, or, or and in the private sector and in the marketplace more generally among some of the key decision makers and management teams and even on boards? So I think, Ayabonga, there definitely has been that sentiment. And that's why we've seen so many scandals over the past two years in South Africa um, in the private sector with entities like EOH, the, the PIC, Steinhoff. Um, in the public sector, we've also seen it come through through the State Capture Commission as mm. well. But I think there is starting to be a change in the way that people perceive the importance of corporate governance because if we take thing, uh, an example like EOH, for example, when that scandal um, was actually out in the public, their share price actually dropped. The same with other listed companies. So there's a direct effect on the, the, the profitability and the success of a company. It's directly linked to having a good corporate governance But only when they get place. caught, right? Sure. Only, well, okay. Is that not the issue, right? No, no, no. Yeah. But I mean, I'm mentioning that because you look at a Steinhoff, which sure. uh, f- for about eight years... Um, and even more after, mm. of course, that merger there with uh, between Goma Goma and the mm. Steinhoff uh, entity, mm. which was seen as a darling, which was seen as this really aggressive and acquisitive company yeah. uh, that was a darling of the marketplace. Even the PIC was willing to put in uh, a significant amount of capital into this particular entity. And yet, um, the veneer, of course, of respectability and good governance that we saw with their statements, when, when you peeled away that veil, mm. that's where you found all of the murky stuff beneath there. So, I mean, if, if somebody hadn't blown the whistle, if somebody hadn't gone and uh, sort of gone to the regulators in Germany or even uh, if the regulators weren't proactive there, uh, one would argue that, you know, many of these companies get away with it and uh, that punishment doesn't come from the marketplace. Well, I don't know if I can jump in there yeah, yeah, any sure. longer. Um, sure, I'm, I'm actually at this point willing to say that the new bottom line is good corporate governance. Mm. And I like what you mentioned there in that, you know, Steinhoff was the darling. You know, it was the darling of the market. It was the darling of the of the JSE. And we've seen it crumble and fall in the last few years. But it's not the first time that a darling of a market has fallen. And if you look, go all the way to one of the biggest economies in the world, that being the, the, the USA mm. and the New York Stock Exchange, we had that huge scandal in the early 2000s Enron, yeah. of Enron. Mm. And that was the darling of, you know, the New York Stock Exchange. And, you know, the, the issues perpetuate themselves. The issues are the same. And bad corporate governance, regardless of when it catches you, when it does catch you, mm. it essentially um, results in, you know, financial loss and loss of shareholder value. And I think now we see more than ever shareholders being involved and very much interested in sure. proper corporate governance. It's also a new space that we're in because, you know, our own corporate governance code, the King Code, um, King 4, now also focuses very pointedly on ethical leadership, which mm. is something new. And it also just shows that, you know, as, as a, a, you know, the economy grows and develops, these principles are becoming more and more important. An additional uh, element to the new King Code is, you know, the fact that even the JSE listings requirements for the first time when the King Code King Four came out um, recognized that good corporate governance is important to long-term growth and mm. sustainability for any business. Sure. And so the JSE listings requirements themselves 
require um, certain uh, principles of the King Code to be adhered to by yeah. any resident beyond the JFC. Deborah, it's interesting, of course, that you mentioned uh, a King Four, and I want us maybe to take a look at uh, some of the injunctions that it puts in place when it comes to issues of independence. Because many people have argued uh, that you have a Steinoff, and I guess I'll ask the same, same question of you, Tepiso, as well. Many people have argued that, you know, you have these all-boys clubs uh, in many of these boards. Uh, so you'll find that somebody who sits on the board was part of the management team or was the former CEO. Um, and, uh, you know, in one of the entities, we saw somebody had sat on the board since the early 80s. And the big question for me is around, you know, how important and crucial is independence in the exercise of oversight and in the greater project of good governance. Uh, Deborah, you can respond first, and I'll also get uh, Tepiso's response as well. Sure. So at the heart of the whole discussion around independence is the fact that when one sits on a board or, you know, the board of directors, when they sit, they sit in order to, you know, exercise their duties in the best interest of the company. So how do you, how does one ensure that the best interests of the company are always being taken into account when decisions are being made? And that's where the conversation of independence comes in, because if one is not independent, if one is compromised, then other considerations are, you know, are being had or are being thought of when making decisions that should be made in the best interest of the company. So independence is crucially important. It's something that is very much stressed in terms of the uh, team code, but also in terms of our legislation. So the Companies Act is very clear, Section 76, um, that deals with standards of conduct, requires that all directors that sit on the board of, um, of directors of a company do so in the best interest of the company, not in the best interest of shareholders, not in the best interest of the executive, and not in the best interest of perhaps, you know, even employees or whoever it might have been that they would have come into contact with over a long period of time that would color their decision-making and color their independence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to add to that, um, independence is is quite an important feature of, of the King 4 Code in particular as well. Um, and if we take Steinhoff as an example, we can see how placing too much power in or vesting too much power in an executive or having a two-tier board, which is uh. what Steinhoff has, where they have a management board and a supervisory board sure. is particularly dangerous because at management level, you have executives making certain decisions and they can hide these decisions from the rest of the of the persons who sit on the supervisory board who are non-executive and their purpose is there to to balance the decisions that are taken by the company. So throughout the King Four Code of Corporate Governance, it speaks a lot about integrating both executive and non-executive into one board. Um, And already we can see that there was a weakness on that part in an entity like Steinhoff, um, which enabled um, the flouting of corporate governance principles. Um, And that's that's why independence is such a key feature Mm. to a sustainable uh, company that's going to grow in the long term. Yeah. And stay uh, and stay at a certain level as well, because I guess it's not just about um, making a quick buck now and waiting mm. until you get caught. It's about sustainability and creating a company that is legitimate, um, which people can invest in and, and actually assist with growing in the long term. And that's very important. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the other important element for me is around uh, the auditors. Uh, yeah. We've seen. 
many audit firms that we, we've always trusted. I mean, if you look at the WEF Global Competitiveness Index, uh, the state of reporting and uh, the audit firms in our country was uh, potentially there for many years in pole position among and rated among the best in the world. Yes, right? yes. And yet when we look at many of the mm-hmm. scandals that we've seen, we see yeah. that many of the auditors were found to be, uh, I guess, at sleep or at sea. Uh, and a big chunk of that has to uh, really, I guess, reinforce some of the calls that uh, many in the, uh, like the Abasa have been making, for instance, around mandatory audit firm rotation. Because some of these yes. auditors have been with these companies for decades. Yes. Um, and uh, one would venture to mm-hmm. say that there's then a booty-booty kind of relationship mm. uh, if uh, you've been giving me and doling out wo- audit work and even consulting work to me uh, for over a few decades. When I, when I see some discrepancies in your book, I'm probably going to be a bit more lenient than uh, if indeed I had that hands-off relationship. 100%. Um, and that's why mm. the King Four Code of Corporate Governance also encourages um, the founding of an audit committee mm. in, in within your organization, um, which will be responsible for overseeing that auditing process. So at no stage can a company solely rely on, on the fact that the auditors um, cook the books, so to speak. Um, also, in terms of the Companies Act, directors actually um, have that overall responsibility at the end of the day the buck stops with the directors Mm. as to whether financials are misrepresented or whatever the case may be there are certain things that directors um, will be expected to know and will be expected to see reflected in their financials and even if the auditors um, don't do the right thing at the end of the day and at the end of the day the 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 directors really bear the ultimate responsibility Mm, yeah mm. and 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 deborah just on that point i mean i guess uh, uh when we look at that, we can't have this conversation around good corporate governance without looking at the state of play in many of our SOEs. Uh, many of us kicked up a fuss a few weeks ago when we heard that, you know, Jabu Mabuza at ESCOM would be group CEO and then CEO and then chairman of the board. Yeah. Um, and uh, he would certainly, I guess, be carrying much of the decision making uh, in that particular entity. Um, and uh, I guess it made many of us wonder mm. around whether or not uh, many of our SOEs prioritize good governance and see it as a strategic imperative as they ought to and uh, whether or not we should be uh, shining the same kind of spotlight or even more intensely because uh, these are public entities and uh, they're sovereign entities for all of us. Yeah, we, we certainly should be shining our spotlight on, on our SOEs because they are there to you know provide vital services to the South African public. But uh, the same light should be shown on private entities because they have a huge influence on the economy and the economic growth mm. of South Africa. I think, you know, the, the, the thing uh, that comes to mind is, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm. I think, you know, what good corporate government principles aim to do is to ensure that there are adequate checks and balances to the exercise of power. So even if one is a top, top CEO, even that CEO should be accountable to the board of directors. And that board of directors should be effective in executing its mandate to oversee the running and the strategic direction of a company. And accountability, I think, here is the key word because that is what ensures that power isn't exercised, you know, in an absolute sense or with impunity when, when that's necessary. And I think, you know, the, the South African public was completely correct in kicking up a fuss about, you know, the triple appointment or, you know, the, the three the three roles that Jabu Mobiza is playing within our embattled power utility because what does that mean in terms of the power that he wields? Mm. Um, you know, can adequate checks and balances be put in place to ensure that he isn't yielding power 
in the interests of other parties or other actors. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very important that we consider corporate governance principles when making such appointments. Mm-hmm. So, how important are some of these controls and uh, protocols and, uh, I guess, uh, good governance uh, issues and the, having that kind of ethic? How important is it for smaller businesses? I mean, you know, I would think uh, the main priority for small businesses is to, one, survive, uh, but also, two, make sure that you're making enough money to pay off your salaries every month. Yeah, sure. So it is very important for a small business and and corporate governance is just that putting into place um, processes and procedures so that the people who are in charge can discharge their responsibilities and be in compliance with the law and the importance of that is making sure that you're actually building a, a sustainable entity um, a legitimate entity and establishing an ethical culture within your entity which will ultimately um, speak to the success of the entity in the long term so we usually advise our clients to also think long term. Don't even though you're mm. up, you're small right now, you're not going to stay small forever. So yeah. yes, you're not going to stay stay small forever. For mm. sure, you can't have um, all the audit committees and remuneration committees and nomination committees in place right now. But you can have policies and procedures to ensure that when you're making decisions, um, and that those decisions do not rest on one person. There must be an appropriate balance of power. Where possible, you should bring in independent people who can advise you so that you make sure that you're setting a good foundation um, at, that you can build on to, to, to really build a sustainable entity and a reputable entity going forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, just, Deborah, on your end, we do know, of course, that uh, in the next few days or so, you guys are going to be having a seminar as a part of uh, the... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, unleashing leadership potential uh, which is uh, going to be hosted by uh, yourselves as Tumbo Scott and of course Maurice Khatebe and uh, just talk to us briefly I guess about this workshop on Saturday and uh, more importantly uh, for those who are going to attend what will they receive and uh, how will it be of benefit to them yes so we will essentially be holding this workshop in response to what we believe um, along with people like Maurice Khatebe to be the crisis of leadership within our corporate spaces. So we will be unpacking the theoretical underpinnings of good corporate governance as found in the Companies Act as well as spelled out in the King Code on good corporate governance. But more than that, we'll have some really excellent individuals in our panels and joining the discussions. Uh, our first keynote speaker is Dr. Rael Kozio, who we know is a, is a very well-established and well-respected uh, mm. giant in the good governance space. He's been recently appointed as the um, chairman of the PIC. He's the chairman of the Institute of uh, Directors of South Africa. And so we'll have, we'll essentially have a coming together of the theory, but also the experience of what it takes to be successful in the space of leadership. And so our hope is that you know, the work that we've been doing with Tumba Scott over the past two years with listed entities, with small businesses, with up-and-coming entrepreneurs around good corporate governance and ethical leadership, we will take this to the masses. And so this is our first um, leg of the program. It's going to actually run over a four-month period. One Saturday every month is going to include extensive reading material, and we'll be engaging and having a very interactive session with entrepreneurs, with aspiring leaders, with directors, with anybody that holds a leadership position that requires good corporate governance principles in order to effectively um, execute on their roles, we'll be engaging with them and engaging with them on these principles.
Okay, and uh, I mean, I guess uh, for some of those who might be interested in participating here, Dr. Scott, how do people get involved? Uh, is it a closed session? And uh, if it is, uh, how do people that aren't necessarily in the room uh, get to engage in the conversations and also share from some of the insights that emerge? Okay, so anyone who's interested in taking part in the workshop can RSVP um, to info at ulpgovernance.co.za or they can also contact um, 081-821-8500, but I'll leave you with the details um, for further information. The information on how to also get involved appears on our social media platforms, so Tumbo Scott social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, you can find all the details there if you want to get involved or take part in this workshop. Okay, awesome stuff. And uh, Deborah, let me give you the last word there. And uh, of course, for... Uh, you know, all of us uh, who are sitting here asking ourselves, uh, I guess, what the benefit is of ensuring that uh, we have uh, well-governed and properly governed entities. Uh, because oftentimes, I mean, as I said, when we started, uh, some people think, you know, it's just about getting the uh, metrics right, getting the top line revenue and some of the profitability right. But it may uh, be helpful for us as we wrap up to, to just underscore some of the benefits that come with uh, I guess uh, ensuring that uh, you have good governance uh, in place and uh, the uh, right controls and uh, protocols and procedures in place. Mm. Well, I mean, I've already mentioned that it's vitally important for long-term economic growth and sustainability of any business, of any entity. Um, as Timber Scott, we have observed corporate, good corporate governance principles and we can say we are a success story of observing those principles. And in an economy that is going through so much turmoil, you know, and scandal after scandal is coming out, that at the heart of it all is a failure of governance. The benefit of relearning and relooking at these principles is that we can perhaps hit a reset button and really get to think about what it is that drives our economy. Is it a bottom line which could, you know, fall away, as we've seen in the, in the, in the case of Steinhoff, or is it principles that ensure long-term good um, long-term economic growth due to good corporate governance. Mm. Okay. Ladies, we'll have to leave it there. Really, really appreciate your time and uh, for joining us uh, this evening here under the microscope uh, talking about uh, this uh, particular matter. I was joined uh, in the studio by uh, uh, Dr. Tsepiso Scott. Uh, Doc, thank you so much for joining us and also joining us all the way from uh, Nairobi in uh, Kenya, Deborah Mutemwa Tumbo. And uh, they are the uh, founders of uh, Tumbo Scott Incorporated, uh, a Santon based corporate and commercial law firm, uh, which is 100% black, fe- female, and youth owned. We'll have to leave it there uh, this evening here as a uh, part of our Under the Microscope conversations and for Metro FM Talk. The man with the music is already here. I leave you with Sentley and uh, 9 to midnight. Have yourself a great evening. Take strength, my Africa. Aska Kribi. Uko Lay economy.